I have an app on my phone and it's called Duolingo and maybe some of you use it. It's basically there to help you to learn a foreign language and I have it to help me to learn Spanish and I've been using it for quite a while. In fact, I know that today I have a 725 day streak, which I'm pretty proud of and I know that you know, if I think I'm doing the math right, that means in just a couple of days, I'm going to hit two years that I've done Duolingo every single day. Now, I'm proud of that streak. However, I could also look on the app, and I saw when I went to make sure that I was right on the 725 days and talking about this, to see when I actually started using the app itself. And it was in 2015. Now, they say, like, okay, wait a second. You're about to hit a two-year streak but you started seven years ago. That's right, and here's the reason why it's not a seven-year streak. So a few years back, I was blessed to get to go on our Jamaica mission trip, and it was great to go down there. I love getting to do the work, you know, mass with the brothers, all this great stuff, and I was really diligent each night when I got back to the monastery to make sure I did my Spanish homework every night before I went to bed. Well, the internet at the monastery isn't the best. And even though I was diligent to make sure I got this done, the app didn't record that I got it done. So my streak of like 125 days became zero days. And I was so ticked off, I stopped studying Spanish for like three years. Yes, that's stupid, and you're right to laugh. Because the funny thing is, right, I didn't get the app to basically have what's the equivalent of a video game on my phone gradually tick up each day, right? Who cares? I got the app so that I could learn another language so as to proclaim the gospel to about half of my parish. And because it stopped giving me credit for more days, I stopped studying Spanish. Now, that's stupid, and I shouldn't have done that, and I'm glad that I'm about to hit two years. But I tell you that, that embarrassing story to kind of hit at what we're getting in the parable today. I love it when we get the more confusing head-scratcher of parables from our Lord, because you got to dive in and try to figure out what's going on and to look at the whole context. I mean, a master commending a guy, a dishonest steward for being prudent. It's interesting, right? Well, if you look at it in the context of the whole thing, think back to last week. We got what you can call the lost chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the whole 15th chapter in which we got the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And remember, the whole reason Jesus told those three stories is because the Pharisees were complaining that he ate and drank with tax collectors and prostitutes. Why is he welcoming these people in? And then, of course, we you know, got the conclusion with the, the parable of the prodigal son, and it ends with the older son who's ticked off because he never even got a goat to feast on with his friends, you know, not recognizing his father and his generosity and all this, and it's just kind of left open-ended, right? Does the older son come and enjoy the party, or does he stay outside grumpy? Well, we immediately move into our Lord telling his disciples this parable about the rich man and his steward. And the fact that he had been squandering his property. And then we get all this stuff about dishonest wealth. What does that mean, dishonest wealth? 
When you think about wealth, it is inherently dishonest. Anything that we buy, any passing good, it cannot promise, it cannot deliver on what it promises. Everything inherently lets us down. I mean, think about the last thing that you bought on Amazon as you waited for it to come and you're excited when it's there and then before you know it, it's already disappointing you, right? I went through this this past week. I decided to change my water filtration system in my, in my uh, refrigerator to go from one type of pitcher to another. And I was so happy when it came on Friday, I don't really care anymore, right? Like it's like, okay, fine, my water needs have been met. But that's the way that it works with dishonest wealth. Not that stuff is bad. We're not Puritans. We don't try to stay away from everything. However, dishonest wealth cannot be what is the most important thing in our life, or we will be disappointed. All the stuff around us, it's not going to make us happy. The phrase that our Lord uses here, you got to make sure that you hear it in the right way. Make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth. The stuff that you have, make sure that it's there for the right purposes, that you're using it in the right way. Because if your whole life is about bigger bank account, more stuff, just acquiring more and more, you will be disappointed. I love the story, and I've probably told you this before, about the woman who was married to a rich and greedy man. The guy didn't care about anyone, even his wife. And he made her promise that when he died, that she would bury his money with him. Didn't care about her being taken care of. He made her promise that she would bury his wealth with him. And she said, okay. So he passes away, and they're at the funeral, and the casket's being lowered in the ground. And she's standing there looking calm and peaceful. One of her friends comes up and says, did you do it? Did you bury his money with him? And she said, yes, I wrote him a check. <laughs> and we can laugh because we all know, right? He can't take it with him. And we're in the same place, right? All the stuff that we have, it is all passing away. So what is our life ultimately about? It's about building up those around us. First of all, our families the people God has placed in our life. Don't squander the gifts that you've been given, time, talent, treasure, on nothing, on that which will inevitably pass away. Spend it on the people in your life. Build up relationships. When you think about it, are you working to support your family or has work completely dominated you and you're missing the whole point of why you go to work in the first place? Like, are you working to live or living to work? And the trouble is, is we can lose sight of it so easily, especially as we get more and more materialistic. And that's what our Lord is talking about in squandering these things, squandering his property. When you think about it, everything you and I have been given is a gift from God. Our time, the very time that we have right now, it's not something that we can manufacture for ourselves. When this man says, I'm too weak to dig, Part of that is, I can't get out of this myself. I cannot give myself more time, more talents, and all of this. I have to receive from God and then give it away. This all works in this parable because God is so generous. All of us, everything we have, it's all a gift from somewhere else. It's all been given to us by God. We did not will ourselves into existence. But here's the thing 
that we can give to God that he doesn't just create. That's our love. That's our free will response back to him and our love for one another. That is what is ultimately yours. So when he says, if you can't be trusted with what's not yours, your time, the gifts you've been given that are material, that are going to pass away, all this stuff that's passing, who's going to trust you with what is? The ultimate lasting relationships of love of God and love of neighbor that last into eternity. That is what our lives should be about. That is what everything is geared towards. That we are working in this life to build up those around us. And I would say a beautiful insight in the midst of these readings today, Johnny sang it so beautifully in the Responsorial Psalm, praise the Lord who lifts up the poor. Now the poor, why does he care so much about the poor? Think about yourself and who you really care about, who moves your heart to pity. You know I love my niece and nephews, right? Love them very, very much. And it's funny because if I'm in the school, I'm at the airport, there's kids all around, if they're laughing, having a good time, I'm fine. I don't really miss my niece and nephews that much. If a little guy is crying and really hurting, having a hard time, that's when it hits me. That's when it's like I want to hug them and pick them up and just be with my niece and nephews and take care of them. I think our Lord is very much the same way. When we cry out, when we're poor, exactly, like we all fall into this, right? Like, and we're all going to be there at some point. We all fall into the category of poor at one point or another. Think about this. We come into the world wearing diapers. We're likely to go out of the world wearing diapers. At some point, we will need care. He has given us dishonest wealth. It doesn't last forever. Why? So that we can care for the poor like he does. The ones that are right here in our lives right now family at home, people around us, those we come into contact with. Because notice, this man doesn't say it's like, oh no, I've got to come to accounts, I'll make a big donation to this big global corporation. No, he meets with people individually. He builds up friendships with the poor, who we know the Lord lifts up, who will be in heaven with him, who can quite frankly put in a good word for you, right? The Lord loves them He wants us to build up that love. That is what we can contribute, and it's that that ultimately lasts. Nothing else does. I'll tell you, I used to work, as I think many of you know, when I was in college for Anheuser-Busch, and I loved it, and I was a tour guide, and the motto of the Anheuser-Busch Corporation is, making friends is our business. Now, as you may well know, I don't work for them anymore. No hard feelings, it's a great company. You know, they do, but they also make beer, right? I mean, it's a a great thing. It's a great way to kind of help make friends. But I would say, with all due respect, that I think that is also one of the mottos of the body of Christ, of the church. Making friends is our business. Our Lord places people into our lives. People that may be like the tax collectors and the prostitutes that the Pharisees are criticizing. And by the way, As I said, we got all of chapter 15 last week. This is the first 13 verses of chapter 16 this week. So all continuous. Today, right after our Lord says about no servant can serve two masters and you cannot serve both God and mammon. Listen to what St. Luke tells us about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all this and they scoffed at him. But he said to them, 
You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So the good question today is we look at this beautiful parable that, remember, our Lord tells us for our own good. God is so generous. He continues to pour out all these things upon us, his grace, his mercy. He gives us time. He gives us nature around us. He gives each and every one of us our different gifts and abilities to run, jump, leap, communicate, talk, even to learn Spanish, right? Like all of these things so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves and to love him. Not to just build up something that if we were to die tonight, it all passes away. Ultimately, the gift that we're called to is not to squander the dishonest wealth that he's given it, but to use it to make friends for this life and into eternity. Praise be Jesus Christ.